Well, good morning, everybody. Lovely to see you all this morning, and welcome to Heatherdale Baptist Church online, as always, um, for the, the, the last few months. And it's just been amazing how God has really just been with us through all of this, hasn't he? So it's just fantastic. Give me a quick wave if you can see me. Yeah, lovely to see you all. Lovely to see you all. Um, so, um, all right, let's me just move things on one slide, just one second. Um, so first things first, um, you'll have seen it was on the, the scrolling notices, but I just want to make a special uh, notice this morning regarding prayer. Um, we've decided to um, involve the prayer teams. Um, so if you would like and we would welcome prayer after the service, then please could you call or text Nigel on 07770 704-987. And then after the service, um, he will put you into a breakout room and then a member of the prayer team will join you in that breakout room for you to be able to have prayer with somebody. So if you would welcome that or you, you need that or something today that's said um, and you feel that you would need prayer because of that, um, then please at any point during the service, please contact Nigel and Nigel will have details of who you, please also just to say when you text can you please put your name in the text so we know who we are sending into a prayer room so for instance if we want to put a female with a female we can do um, but it's just more to know who's actually texting because of course Nigel doesn't have everybody's number so if you do want prayer then please can you text your name um, to Nigel and I should have put that on the te on the actual thing so I just realized so I'll amend that for next week but yes yeah, so please text Nigel if you'd require prayer let's just pray before we start father god we thank you that you are the author of all things we thank you that you are creator god we thank you that you guide and you keep us and you've kept us so far and so father god as we come to praise and worship you this morning we just ask that you would just um, wherever we are in our homes, um, though we are not together um, in one place, Lord, we are one body, we are one church, one faith, one Lord. And so we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. So without further ado, one faith, one church, one Lord. Oh 
thank you that we can come together as church that we can come together as one body one church one faith one lord that we can come and give you our praise give you our worship give you our devotion lord we thank you that you are just an amazing god lord our hearts just just burst when we think of what you've done for us when we realize that you you sent jesus to die for us to 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 go through that horrific death in and to bring us life to bring us redemption. Lord, we want to lift up your name this morning. We want to thank you and praise you. And Lord, we want to also bring before you our communities, our churches, our, our country before you this morning. And Lord, we do pray that you would just uh, bring about revival through all of this, through the fact that we're going through this coronavirus crisis. Lord, we, we want to see people turning to you. Lord, more people are praying and we thank you for that. Um, but Lord, we know that there are so many hardships and Lord, we do pray for those who are going through hardship at the moment. Those who have struggled because of, of lack of income. Um, we pray for the initiatives that, that we're doing, like um, uh, Let's Do Lunch, uh, the, the, the new version of that, Lord. And we thank you for Mark and for what he's been doing with that and the team. Lord, we want to praise you for that. And we thank you that as a community, we can help. Um, and Lord, we also pray for... The situation, um, Lord, with that big explosion, Lord, um, uh, Lord, we just uh, we know there's been devastation, Lord, in Beirut. Um, we pray for the Christians in those areas, Lord. We pray for, for the people in those areas, Lord. We we pray for the aid agencies that have been sent to help out, Lord. We just ask for your your hand to be upon them and to help them through this crisis. Lord, you are a sovereign God, and we know that you can do more than we ask or think. And so, Lord, we, we just commit these prayers to you, Lord, now, in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm going to just bring up um, Mark's um, talk that he's got for us this morning. So just one moment while I do that. Hi everyone, great to see you. Today we're continuing to look at wisdom. Specifically, we're going to look at making wise choices. You see, sometimes it's not easy to make the right choice. Sometimes we might not even know what the right choice is. And other times, even if we do know what the right thing to do is, it's not always easy. And there may be other choices that seem easier and more fun. A little while ago, we looked at the journey of a guy called Abraham and his wife, Sarah. He had a lot of choices to make, leaving his family, traveling for hundreds of miles to Haran and then Canaan. He was successful and safe where he lived in Ur. He had his family around him and everything was good. 
But God spoke to him and he chose to leave his family and follow what God was saying. It would have been very easy for him to ignore those voices in his head as dumb thoughts and for Abraham to stay where he was. Surely that would have been the sensible thing to do. But Abraham recognized God's voice. He took a risk and he followed God's path. And as a result, God promised Abraham that he would be the father of a great nation. God promised Abraham that his descendants would be more numerous than the stars. But Abraham had reached 100 years old and his wife Sarah was 90 and they still hadn't had a child yet. But because Abraham trusted and feared God, God blessed Abraham and Sarah with a son, Isaac. Isaac was the answer to all their prayers, and surely through Isaac, God's promises would come true. But Abraham's path was not straightforward. He still had some big choices to make, maybe even the biggest choices. Some years later, God again spoke to Abraham. He said to him, take Isaac, your only son, the son that you love and who I gave you miraculously. Take Isaac to a place called Moriah, where you are to go up the mountain and sacrifice him as a burnt offering. This made Abraham very sad. He had a big decision to make. Was he going to follow God or go his own way? God had promised that through Isaac, Abraham's descendants would be more numerous than the stars. And if Isaac was sacrificed, how was that going to happen? And what about Sarah? How was he going to explain that? I can imagine the conversation, can you? Oh, by the way, dear, you know our son Isaac, the son that we'd waited so long for and that God gave us as a gift? Well, you see, I've just sacrificed him as a burnt offering. I don't think that would have gone down very well, do you? It would have been much easier just to ignore it and carry on as if nothing had happened. But true to form, Abraham trusted God. And so, with a heavy heart, he took Isaac, a sacrificial knife, some wood for the offering, and some fire, and set off on their journey. During the journey, Isaac turned to his dad and asked, Dad, I know we have the fire, and I know we have the wood for the burnt offering, and you've got the knife, um, but where's the lamb for the sacrifice? This must have been a really hard question for Abraham to answer, knowing that he was going to have to sacrifice Isaac. But he was still trusting God, and he answered, The Lord will provide. 
When they got to the place God showed them, they built an altar and placed the wood on it, ready for the sacrifice. Abraham took Isaac and bound him and placed him on the altar. Isaac also had a choice here, though, didn't he? Remember, Abraham was over 100 years old, well over 100 years old. Isaac was a fit young boy, probably a teenager or a young man. He could have easily run off or overpowered Abraham. But he also trusted his father and the Lord. With Isaac laying on the altar, Abraham took out his sacrificial knife. All of a sudden, an angel appeared just in time. The angel told Abraham to stop and to release Isaac. A few seconds later, and it would have been curtains for Isaac, Abraham looked up and there he saw a ram caught in a bush, which he took and sacrificed it in Isaac's place. He called that place, the Lord will provide. The angel confirmed to Abraham God's promises that his descendants would be more numerous than the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. And later, Isaac had a son called Jacob, and Jacob had 12 sons. The families of these 12 sons became the 12 tribes of Israel. And thus, as Israel grew, so God's promise to Abraham was fulfilled. But here's the thing. Abraham didn't do what God told him to in order to get a reward. After all, what earthly reward could possibly be worth sacrificing his son? He did it because he loved and feared God. He trusted him, even when it was really hard, and even when he couldn't see a good reason. And not following God seemed much more sensible. Can you think of any times when you've followed God's path? Or even when you haven't? How did it turn out? Thank you. So I'm actually going to carry on and hand over to Mark now because um, we, are, um, we are trying to include testimony time in what we do. So I'm just going to stop the share now at the moment there. And so Mark, you can see everybody at the moment. So Mark hopefully will come up bigger on your screen. Um, so I'm going to hand over to Mark to give a little testimony about following God's way. Hi everyone. I'm really sorry it's me again. Um, but Tony's asked me to share a little bit about um, some choices that I've had to make in, in my life um, because we're talking about making wise choices and I haven't always done that. Um, but I am going to read it if that's all right because otherwise I'll just go off on a tangent and waffle on for hours and uh, we'll be here all day. Um, so here we go. Um, a lot of this has been repeated in, in the testimony I gave to the church members 
um, when when I was appointed. But I've sort of elaborated on certain bits. But uh, yeah, so my journey has been a fairly checkered one. I, I did grow up in a Christian family and gave my life to Christ when I, and was baptised when I was in my early teens. However, in my late teens, I fell away from faith. That's not to say it was a conscious decision not to follow God, but more that I choose to go my own way, seduced by the law of the student life and all that entailed. I continued to live my life my way for nearly 20 years or so. I was married at 20 with a son by the age of 21, working for a number of different companies as a reasonably successful software sales executive with a well above average income. Life had its ups and downs, but in the main part, I'd have to say I was pretty happy. However, I always had this nagging feeling inside that there was something missing. I call these my wilderness years, as they reminded me of the time that the Israelites had to spend in the desert when they rebelled against the Lord and refused to enter Canaan the first time. The next major crunch point in my life came during one of those downs. I'd been working for a small software company based in Ilminster for a number of years. My relationship with my boss, the MD, had been deteriorating. And on one trip to Ilminster, I had a blazing row with my boss. I was faced with a choice. Tough it out for the money and security or choose a different path. During the previous few months, the sense of something missing had been growing. I knew exactly what it was, but I didn't want to admit it to myself. After all, I was in control, wasn't I? But this episode tipped me over the edge and I made a decision. I would ask God for help. So I asked for a new job. One thing led to another and within three weeks, I had a new job. My next choice was whether to keep up my end of the bargain. You see, when I asked for a new job, I said to God, if you get me a new job, I'll start going to church again. Thankfully, this time, I chose the right path and started coming to Heatherbell. The next choice I will share took place some seven years ago. I was involved in youth work at Heatherbell running youth groups and summer camps, etc. At one of these trips to Soul Survivor, God spoke to me once more. It was pouring with rain and I was sitting in a marquee with the young people playing some card game or other. I looked up and saw a group of youth workers standing, chatting in the doorway of the tent. And literally heard a voice saying to me, that is what I want you to do. I looked at the young people and asked who'd said that, but they said no one had said anything. It would have been very easy for me just to brush this off and think I'd imagined it without mentioning it to anyone, but I couldn't get the words out of my head. And on my return from Soul Survivor, I discussed this with Martin and he in turn discussed it with the leaders. We decided that this was probably a call from God but needed to test it because that's the biblical pattern. That's biblically correct. Over the next few years, 
I had a real sense that God was calling me into ministry in some way or other, uh, which was affirmed by many in the fellowship who also sensed the call. However, I had no idea of how to progress and nothing seemed to be happening. A couple of years passed and nothing had happened and I began to feel that maybe I'd got it wrong. I began doubting myself and to some extent, I began doubting God. Which leads us to the next big decision. My final call into ministry. Another trip to Soul Survivor and another word of knowledge. Again, I called on God for assistance. For one reason or another, I was feeling pretty low and had convinced myself that God had forgotten about me and the call. And so one afternoon when I went for coffee with some of the young people, we were sitting there and I mentioned that I needed to go to the shops at 4.15 to buy bread and then return to camp to prepare supper. At exactly 4.15, one of the young people said, Mark, it's 4.15, you better go. So I got up and walked over to the shop. As I say, I was feeling pretty low. And once again, I cried out to God. God, I cannot go on like this. I don't like feeling like this. What is happening? If you do have to pl a plan for me, you need to let me know. After the evening service, there was another time of ministry. This time it was for evangelists and personal evangelism. Nothing to do with going into ministry. Again, there were many no words of knowledge. Many people responded. But after about 20 minutes of prayer ministry, Mike Pilavacci, who was one of the leaders of Soul Survivor, stood up again and said, I don't know what's going on here, but I can't get this thought out of my head. It really doesn't fit in with anything else that we've been doing here tonight. But I think it might be a word from God and I'm going to go for it anyway. He continued. At 4.15 this afternoon, someone here prayed about going into ministry. And I think God is telling you that this is his plan for you. This is what he wants you to do. Is there anyone here that that applies to? Of course, I responded immediately. And in fact, I was the only person out of a congregation of some 10,000 plus that did. I was prayed for and went on my way. But now I had a choice to make. What was I going to do next? If I followed God's path, it meant giving up work, going back to uni, giving up my nice high income and all the home comforts that went with it. And what would Carol say? Or do I once again follow my own way and brush it under the carpet, stick with the money and security? But thankfully, just like Abraham, I couldn't say no to God again. I put my trust in him and followed his path. It was not always easy, but I have to say, it's probably the best decision of my life. Over the past three years, I've had such encouragement and support from you guys. My life now has a purpose and I'm excited to see what God will do. 
I would encourage you to listen out for God's voice and follow his lead. It's not always easy, but it's definitely worth it. Thank you. Wow, that is just powerful and amazing, isn't it? Every time I hear Mark's testimony, he gets choked up, I get choked up. It's amazing, fantastic, thank you so much. Right, so I'm just gonna bring us a reading, just one moment and I'll bring that up on the screen. So our reading this morning is taken from Proverbs 2, verses 1 to 22. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as, you, as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom, from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity and every good path. For wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over you, understanding will guard you delivering you from the way of evil, from men of perverted speech, who forsake the paths of the uprightness, to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perverseness of evil, men whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. So you will be delivered from the forbidden woman, from the adulteress with her smooth words, who forsakes the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God. For a house sinks down to death, and her paths to the departed. No one who goes to her come back, nor do they regain the paths of life. So you will walk in the way of the good, and keep to the paths of the righteous, for the upright will inhabit the land, and those with integrity will remain in it, but the wicked will be cut off from the land, and the treacherous will be rooted out of it. I'm just going to pray for Tony as he comes to speak. Father God, thank you for your word. Thank you that it's life to each one of us. And now as Tony comes to speak to us, Lord, would you just anoint him, give him your Holy Spirit, give him the words to say and to speak to us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Steve. And uh, thank you, Mark, for not only the all-age talk, but uh, your testimony. And um, I get choked up as well when I hear it and I've read it because Mark sent it to me this week. And it just fitted so well with uh, where we are in Proverbs, looking at uh, chapter two. And the title for today is A Path to Take. So I'm sure that's uh, no surprise to you, really. But after the introduction uh, in Proverbs 1, verses 1 to 7, that we looked at last week, comes a series of speeches addressed to a son by a parent, which extends from chapter 1, verse 8, all the way through to the end of chapter 9. There, there are two main voices in these opening chapters, the voice of the parent and the voice of wisdom, who is personified as a woman. 
We're introduced to both of them in chapter 1, verse 8, which says, Listen, my son, for your father's instruction, and do not forsake your mother's teaching. These two voices then intertwine throughout the rest of the opening section. And much of the instruction of these chapters seems to be aimed at a young man who is just stepping into adulthood and into the world. Looking at this passage, we're drawing on uh, some metaphors of two ways, uh, two women and two houses. And the young man is called on to choose as he sets out on his journey of life between wisdom and folly. A few weeks ago, uh, Val and I went to Lightwater Country Park for the first time. I don't know whether if uh, you've been there and uh, your experience of it, uh, but because we'd not been there, we went to the sort of information centre and uh, looked at a large map that was uh, on the wall. Um, there were pockets for paper maps, but there was none there. Um, so we had to memorise the big uh, map on the board. And uh, we decided that we would walk the purple and orange path. Uh, and then when they split, we'd follow the orange path. So we started off on the path and every now and then a marker post uh, would appear with both colours confirming that we're still on the right track and in going in the right direction. At a junction, the two colours separated. Uh, the purple one went up a very steep hill uh, and the orange one on a hill, but not quite so steep. So we, we went on the orange path. We continued on the path, having passed several junctions with no signs. So like all good things, if there's no sign, you carry on the same path. Uh, however, in no time at all, there were no signposts and we were lost. And there was no one around to even ask um, where, where to go. So at some point we have made a wrong turn uh, and started going in the wrong direction. But there is some good news because uh, we could hear the noise of the M3 uh, in the distance. And so we walked towards the M3, knowing that it went alongside Lightwater Country Park. Uh, and eventually we came across another orange sign. Uh, and then we followed that and we finally made it back to where we started. Uh, but just to make sure, we decided we'd do it again, just to, and uh, lo and behold, we got lost again. Uh, so never mind, we, we enjoyed it. Uh, we were there for a lot longer than we thought we would be, uh, but eventually uh, we got home. And the book of Proverbs knows this to be true of life and sees the stakes as much higher and with significantly greater consequences. Just us getting lost, uh, at least we had the M3 to listen to. But so it is with that the father instructs the son to walk the way of wisdom, which leads to life, and avoid the way of folly, which leads to death. Proverbs commends us paths which are marked by the fear of the Lord, and does so by reinforcing the benefits that come to us when we walk in his way. Walking his path helps us navigate the competing situations we encounter in everyday life and enables us to understand the world God has made and how best to live in it. In all walks of life, there are warning signs, drawing our attention to dangers that lie ahead or in front of us. What we do about the warning is what counts. We can ignore it and carry on, or we can heed it 
and not go any further or nearer the danger. And maybe you've walked along a cliff path and come across a sign saying, path closed due to risk of landslide. Val and I came across one on the Isle of Wight while walking the cliff path between Benbridge and Whitecliff Bay. We turned back when we saw the sign and did not risk it. I'm sure there would have been those prepared to take the risk and carried on walking. The point is we cannot improve on God's purpose and plan for us. God is good and he loves us so much that he wants the best for us. He has a wonderful path mapped out for our lives. He wants us to walk on his path and not up, end up wandering for years in the desert, looking but not finding a good place to live. And there are times, and Mark shared some of this, that we make our own independent plans or run straight to other people for help. We don't ask God first. The prophet Isaiah speaks God's criticism of his people for the way in which they made their plans and they failed to consult God. And in Isaiah 30 verses 1 to 2 we read, Woe to the obstinate children, declares the Lord, to those who carry out plans that are not mine, forming an alliance, but not by my spirit, heaping sin upon sin, who go down to Egypt without consulting me, who look for help to Pharaoh's protection, to Egypt's shade for refuge. As a result of that, they had gone off in the wrong direction and found a people who were useless to them, who would not help them, but bring shame and disgrace upon them. Here in Proverbs chapter 2, we're directed to the right path to take and how to stay on it. The opening verses point us toward the word of God. In his book are all the instructions we need to follow in order to live a life worthy of the calling we have received. God has provided the map that we are to follow with full instructions that lead to eternal life. He has also marked out the dangers that exist and how we can overcome them by taking the right actions. With any instructions, they're only as good as the person who is following them. How often do we get a new item and think we can make it work without reading the instructions? I know I've done it on several occasions. And in the end, when it doesn't work, I go back to the instructions and follow them. It would have been far easier and quicker to have followed them in the first place. We can only know God's purpose for our lives and the direction he wants us to take by reading his word, by meditating on his word, by seeking guidance from his word, and most importantly, acting upon it through the power of the Spirit. We must be confident that the word of God is the foundation and standard of understanding and wisdom, and that we need not only to read it, but to eagerly desire to be as wise as it can make us. We must be attentive and not only hear what, is, what it is saying, but apply it in our hearts and our lives. Many wise things can be found in the world today, but divine revelation and true faith built upon it are all wisdom. 
We must receive the word of God. And it's the whole word of God, even the commandments, as well as the promises, without complaining or disputing any of them. The creator knows best. But how often do we think we know best? If we do all these things, then we will please God and are walking the right path with him by our side. There is, of course, a huge advantage of walking God's path. And we find it in verses 7 7 and 8 in chapter 2. He holds success in store for the upright. He is a shield to those whose ways of life is blameless. For he guards the course of the just and protects the way of his faithful ones. God not only gives wisdom through his word, but he actively works to defend, to guard, and to protect all those who walk in his ways. But the path, as we read in verses 13 to 19, is full of dangers and temptations. Two enemies are seen attacking the young man, the wicked man and the adulterous woman. The wicked man is the man who walks in the pride of his heart and independent of God. This way of life seems very attractive to the young man, appealing to his natural mind. To follow the wicked man is to leave the straight paths of righteousness and walk in the ways of darkness. We catch a glimpse of this adulterous woman flitting in and out of the book of Proverbs. She is the enemy of morality and virtue. She seeks to ensnare the young man. She gives herself up to impure pleasures and lusts. Those who have been ensnared by the adulterous woman must live with the consequence of their unclean ways. When we receive the truth of God and allow it to control our life, we will be delivered from the perverse paths of the evil man and the adulterous woman. And we're reminded by Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 7, Verses 13 to 14 says this, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. Many and many enter through it, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. Only a few find it. God's wisdom is woven into the fabric of the world. The wisdom used by God in building and sustaining creation is the same wisdom now given to us. And it is to be eagerly desired by his people in order to live wisely in his world. God's wisdom is not limited to the personal or spiritual realms, but encompasses the whole of life. The portrayal of God's wisdom in Proverbs influences the New Testament writers in their presentation of Jesus. Just as God's wisdom was active in creation, so is Jesus, God's agent in the world today. And Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 1 verse 30, it is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness and redemption. All the blessings of God's wisdom are now mediated through Jesus, himself 
the wisdom of God. Wisdom remains a key feature of the Christian life, as it did for the ancient Israelites, but is now focused on the person and work of Jesus. It is through him that we're able to live in harmony with God and the world which he created. The fear of the Lord and the way of life that flows from it now find their fullest expression in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Our lives should be marked by a true faith-based relationship with God. This holy lifestyle leads us to be wise and discerning followers of Jesus. I would normally finish with uh, uh, what does it mean for us today, but I think the whole of uh, Proverbs answers that. And uh, the path that we need to take is the path that leads to Jesus Christ to demonstrate him living in our lives to those that we come into contact with day by day. And I'm sure people will ask us during this pandemic, during this uh, difficult time, now, how did you cope with it? Well, I made the right decisions by trusting in God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are all wisdom and all knowledge. And we thank you that you have a path marked out for each one of us. Well, Lord, we know that as we are in the world, we'll, we are subject to all the things that go on in this world. We're subject to the things that would turn us away from walking the narrow path, that would tempt us to do the wrong things rather than the right things. But we thank you that you have given us your Holy Spirit who dwells within us, who becomes our conscience when we're faced with these decisions that we need to make where it is in life that we have to make critical decisions. Lord, we pray that we would seek you first and ask you, what is the way that you're calling me to go? When we hear that call, as Mark did, that we respond to it, knowing that if we hear your word and respond to it, that you will bless us, but even more so that we will be a blessing to other people. And as we go into this week, may that be so, that we might bless people by speaking of you and showing them the way to the narrow path. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Steve, over to you. Thank you, Tony. Thank you very much. That was brilliant. Um, just before we, we sing our last song, um, just a reminder from what we had at the beginning, which is, if you do want prayer, if what you've heard today means that you feel like you, you'd want somebody to pray with you, then please text your name to Nigel um, and Nigel will put you into a breakout room afterwards. But let's finish by singing the perfect wisdom of our God. Wisdom of our God revealed in all 
the universe All things created by His hand And held together at His command He knows the mysteries of the seas The secrets of the stars are His He guides the planets on their way Turns the earth through another day. The matchless wisdom of his ways that mark the path of righteousness. His word a lamp unto my feet, His Spirit teaching and guiding me. And all oh, the mystery of the cross, that God should suffer for the lost, so that the fool might shame the wise, and all the glory might go to Christ. to him who is able to do more than we can ask or think, to the God that guides and directs our paths day by day. To him be glory forever. Amen. Thank you for joining us. <laughs>